Episode 7 of Basement Convo starts now. Welcome back to Episode 7 of Basement Convo. Steve, how are we doing in West Virginia? Doing well, Dan. By yourself? Good. There's a lot of sports going on right now, and we're going to recap the Super Bowl first. But we are filming right before the NBA trade deadline, only 10 minutes to go before that. So we'll cover all the deals that have led up to this time. So let's start off with the Super Bowl, like I said. Um, what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl and how it played out? Yeah, so, I mean, it was a good game. Very good game. Um, like you were saying before, when we were talking about it, um, it didn't really have a feeling of a Super Bowl. It kind of just felt like another Sunday night game. I don't know if that was because it was in Miami. It looked really nice, don't get me wrong. It just didn't feel like... Super Bowl environment felt more like a Pro Bowl environment to me. I don't know what it was about it. And then once, you know, a half of football is played, it kind of kicked in with me like, all right, this is the big game. Um, The game itself, though, 49ers, they got off to a great start. looked like they had everything in control. Uh, They were up 10 in the fourth quarter, and then the Chiefs go on a 21-0 run. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was fantastic. I mean, he didn't play his best game, but he still led them to that victory. And then once again, some questionable play calling from Kyle Shanahan. I'd agree with everything you said. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes have bright futures in this league, but they both at times didn't play great. And it basically came down to Patrick Mahomes playing right at the best time, which is the fourth quarter in football games. And that was really the case. I mean, the 49ers defense played really well up until that fourth quarter when Patrick Mahomes just started to explode and all the weapons started to come out and you started to see great play calls. And you really just saw the genius of Andy Reid and Eric Bahimi. But, look, I think Patrick Mahomes was nervous to start. He's a young guy still. Jimmy Garoppolo's been around this atmosphere. I thought that would help him. When I picked the 49ers, it was partially because Kyle Shanahan has been there. Well, Andy Reid has too, but Kyle Shanahan has been there recently. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been there watching on the bench when Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, has been playing. And there's no better experience almost than that. So that was the re- my reasoning into picking the 49ers. But... Later in the week, I started to think Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the field. Maybe I should change my pick to the Chiefs. My dad thought the Chiefs, so he started to convince me a little bit. And I don't know. I wanted the Chiefs to win just because the 49ers are in our conference, the Giants conference. So I was rooting against them. And I do like Andy Reid. And I was rooting for Steve Spagnola, the Giants' former defensive coordinator. And I think Patrick Mahomes is a top three quarterback in this league. And he seems like a great guy. So, look, I was just happy for all of them. But both teams honestly executed the game plan until late to the 49ers. It looks like they just ran out of gas against Mahomes. Yeah, that's, uh, by the way, breaking the Knicks just got the Clippers' first-round pick for this year. Anyway, um, going back to that, you're correct about Patrick Mahomes. He was the best player on the field, and it's hard to count him out. I still, I still held by my pick of the 49ers just based off their defense. I mean, their defense was still pretty good outside of Sherman getting burnt a few times. Uh, Nick Bosa looked unblockable from time to time. Um, he almost had a strip sack. He stripped the ball, or he almost recovered the fumble out of the strip, that strip sack. He stripped Mahomes. However, Mahomes recovered it. Um, but, I mean, the Chiefs, you can't count them out with Mahomes. I mean, you see them against the Texans. They're down 24 points, and then they come back and win by 20. And then the Titans, they're down by 10.5. They come back, win by 11. And then in the Super Bowl against a really good defense in the 49ers, they're down by 10 in the fourth quarter, and they come back and win by 21. Just goes to show that you can't count any team out with Patrick Mahomes being your quarterback. 
Yeah, I think they had a great run this postseason. I think I saw some crazy stat like he has like the second most come from behind wins in the postseason already. It's just that's just nuts for how young he is and how accomplished he already is for being 24 years old and only being a starter for two years. Exactly. Exactly. So. Honestly, like I said, I Patrick Mahomes, I think, did deserve to win MVP because he was the quarterback and orchestrated that comeback, obviously, being down 10 late in the fourth quarter. But I think we had this conversation too off-air that Damian Williams could have won, too, the undrafted running back. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, originally, I wasn't sold on Mahomes winning MVP, and then I remembered he had the rushing touchdown as well. And, I mean, it, 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 he deserved it. He was the leader of that team. You know, it starts with him. But I think if Williams rushes for that touchdown instead of Mahomes, it's a different, you know, he could he could come out with MVP there. Who, who knows? And like I said, I think you would agree with this too. I think both coaches executed their game plan pretty well. We can say Shanahan had some mistakes towards the end. I do agree with that. I think the pressure was on him at that point of being up 10. But I do think he handled it well going into halftime, and he got some criticism for that. Yeah, no, he definitely did. It seemed like he... He got away from the running game, and he looked a little nervous with his play calling. Yeah, I don't know. He did just look rattled, but Andy Reid stayed composed. He honestly needed this Super Bowl if he wanted to make the Hall of Fame, honestly, in my opinion. So he just stayed he just stayed composed, and look, he came out with the win, and he pretty much announced that the Chiefs prayed yesterday that he pretty much has one more year left in him. Yeah, I mean, it's I've always I've always liked him as a coach. I mean, he's gotten some criticism here and there for not being able to win the big game, but now he has. So I'm glad for him. You know, I'm happy that he got that under his belt. Yeah. So going into the future for these two teams, it's basically the 49ers have most of their core locked up. Nick Boza looked like the best defensive player on either unit in the Super Bowl. He just looked phenomenal. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He just looks great. And I know that's a bold prediction, but he just looks he just looked great in his first full year. Yeah, he looks like a defensive player of the year in the making for years to come. I mean, he's an absolute monster. You can't block him. Exactly. So I think the Chiefs have some guys they need to lock up. I know Sammy Watkins is owed $16 million next year. They're going to have to restructure that because that cannot be – that's not possible for a second receiver on a on a team. It's just not when Tyreek Hill's your number one receiver and you got Travis Kelsey. And eventually Patrick Mahomes is going to be the highest paid quarterback ever, so they need money for that. Yeah, they're, they're going to extend Mahomes definitely, so we'll see how much money he gets. Um, but with Sammy Watkins, you're right. I've seen reports that he's considering sitting out next year, and that could have the Super Bowl could have been his last game for, for a year. Um, I'll see. We'll see what happens with that if he reports or not uh, to OTAs. But um, yeah, going forward, they definitely need to keep what they have intact because they have a great core going. It's just a matter of money. Meanwhile, the 49ers are still really young and don't really have to pay anyone yet. So they could, I think, feel like they have a much easier time keeping their core intact than the Chiefs. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty much going to do our football talk for today, our Super Bowl talk. We're looking forward to the NFL draft and NFL free agency, which is before the draft, actually. And I think that should just be a change. We'll talk about that in the future. But overall, we're going to take a little bit of a break from football, about a month break before free agency starts. And But I mean, if there's any breaking news, we'll break that on the podcast. But I don't think there will be over for the next month. It'll be pretty quiet. So let's get into the NBA trade deadline now. I know you reported the Knicks just got a first-round pick. It had to do with the Marcus Morris deal. I'm seeing more reports now that it's a three, three-team deal and the Wizards are in it. Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, so the Wizards are going to be getting... Um 
Jerome Robinson. The Knicks will be getting Mo Harkless and the 2020 first-round pick from the Clippers. And then the Clippers will be receiving Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Morris. Um, ultimately, we got a 2020 first-round pick out of it. I can't be that upset. Would I have rather had Jerome Robinson in the deal, a former lottery pick? Yeah. Um, I saw some reports about him, the Knicks not being interested, but like looking into him earlier. So, you know, that's, it is what it is. He's going to the Wizards. But for the Clippers, sheesh. Added Marcus Morris to that defense too. My God. Yeah, we'll see how Marcus Morris works out with, along with other stars. I mean, I think he's a solid player. I did want him on the Lakers, but look, all three teams in this deal, I think one. Um, it's interesting seeing Isaiah Thomas going to the Clippers. We'll see how that works out. I just, I think he can be a head case at times. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his role would be with them. So that'll be interesting. I mean, the Clippers were already deep, but now they're even deeper, and I think that might have been a problem for them before this trade even happened so we'll see what happens now i mean just I off, just off the top of my head you got paul george Kawhi leonard of course then you got your bench players and will lou williams and montrez harrell so that's four guys then you got zubak then you got uh who am i missing patrick patterson um yeah. jamichael green i'm just going down the list that now you add isaiah thomas that's like that's gonna it's gonna be like and nine to ten marcus guys morris. and marcus morris that's nine guys right there there's, there's definitely a, such a thing as being too deep for your own good. Pause. But, you know, um, there's definitely such a thing as being too deep for your own good, especially for the Clippers. I wonder what they do. Because they've been having issues before about um, Montrose Harrell, Harrell came out and said we're not playing the way we should be, blah, 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 a bunch of stuff going on with that. Seems like they're okay now, but we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, I think Marcus Morris would have been a better fit for the Lakers, though, just because I feel like – the Clippers almost have a Marcus Morris and Montrez Harrell. Eh, I definitely agree that you would have been better on the Lakers. I don't know if he's a Montrez Harrell comparison, though. They're just both like kind of like centers, but they're, they don't got that height around them. That's what I'm trying to make my comparison to. Like, the Clippers are missing that big, big. You know what I'm talking about? They're missing like a JaVale. They're missing a Dwight. And you don't get that at Marcus Morris. Look, Marcus Morris is a great player. But I feel like you already have that. He's almost like more of like a Kawhi and Paul George and a Montrezl Harrell. And that's kind of clogged up now. Now you got four of those guys. So you're going to play all four of those guys at once? I mean, yeah, he's a small four, average size three. Uh, not going to be really playing down low. He's been shooting really well, well from three. He'll spread out the floor. Uh, Harrell's kind of more down low. So, I mean, I agree with you. The, the Lakers, I feel like, would have been a better fit. It just didn't work out with Kuzma and the Knicks. Knicks wanted Kuzma. The Lakers didn't want to give him up. I respect that. I feel like that would have been a questionable move for the Lakers to give up Kuzma, um, especially for Marcus Morris, considering he's a rental at the moment. Um, but, yeah, the Clippers ended up with him, and the Knicks ended up getting the first-round pick out of it. That's ultimately what I wanted to start out with. So, hey, I'm not mad. I guess what I'm trying to say is, sorry, I don't mean to say that Marcus Morris is Montrezl Harrell. I'm trying to say that they're both kind of the same height, and they're, I would consider those guys almost more wing players. And I know Harrell just doesn't have the height. You know what I'm talking about? So if you're going to roll... Yeah, no, he's a power forward. Yeah, so if you're going to roll out Harrell, Marcus Morris, Kawhi, Paul George, I mean, it, it, it definitely could be lethal, especially against the Rockets, because I would take that lineup over the Rockets. But I don't know if you match up against the Lakers when the Lakers go big. You would have to see. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They're definitely undersized for uh, for playing their position. Harold's, you know, he plays powerful, but he's not that tall. And the Lakers have a bunch of height. I mean, they got JaVale. They got Dwight. I mean, they got a bunch of guys. They're, they're long, and they can alter shots defensively. So we'll see how they match up with that. 
going back to naming the Clippers uh, depth, we forgot uh, Patrick Beverly too. So that'd be like ten guys. That is crazy. Yeah. I also forgot Anthony Davis when I was mentioning the Lakers. I don't know how. I think it's center. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many trades going down right now. It's just it gets confusing. But let's yes. go down to the first trade of the week, which was the four-team trade, and there was 12 players that went in this deal all the all around. So it was the biggest trade I saw since like 2000 since, or whenever it was when Patrick Ewing got dealt to the Sonics. I did see that, so maybe it was around 2000. But biggest. Like, most importantly, Clint Capello was going to Atlanta. Covington is now in Houston. And Denver, Minnesota, really just getting small parts for the future and now. So, in my opinion, this deal was good for Houston and good for Atlanta. But it was nothing special. I think it puts them in better spots now. But I think Clint Capello was a bigger star a couple years ago than he would be considered now. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a blockbuster trade by any means. It was just an interesting trade. Um, Clint Capella isn't a force. He's a good piece that you want on a, on a decent team. Um, now going away from the Rockets and being added to the Hawks, I think it's a nice piece for Trey Young. It's a little bit of a lob threat and some defense down low because he's been poor guy has nothing going for him right now. Trey Young, besides John Collins, but he's you know suspended here and there. Uh, Covington to the to the Rockets. They now have no center. So I guess P.J. Tucker is going to be currently guarding, you know, the uh, the five for the foreseeable future. Uh, Covington provides that three and D sort of threat. I just don't know how much of an impact he'll make with the Rockets being so ball dominant between Russ and Harden. Uh, but defensively, he'll definitely make an impact. And then the Nuggets just acquired a few picks, I believe, and shipped away Beasley and Hernan Gomez. Yes. So now on to the next deal we'll talk about, which is... Andre Iguodala a couple nights ago getting sent to Miami. I mean, basically it was official today. Excuse me, last night it was basically breaking news, but now it is reported that it is a done deal. And at first, last night, all I saw was that Winslow was getting going to Memphis and Iguodala was going to Miami. So I was like, ah, I don't really know how good of a deal that is for Miami. And I thought that was a great deal for the Grizzlies. But now looking at it, I mean, I really think the Heat won this deal because the Heat loaded off all their big contracts that they didn't play those players, such as James Johnson and um, Deion Waiters. Yeah, no, I definitely think the Heat uh, got better from this. Um, they were looking to acquire Danilo Gallinari from the uh, Thunder as well, try to get it a three-team deal. That didn't, that wasn't able to uh, to happen. That fell through. So it was just Iguodala, or just the Heat and the Grizzlies. Um, the Heat send away Justice Winslow, who's surprisingly 23. It feels like he's been in the league for like six years by now. So he's still young, and the Heat and the Grizzlies kind of get Justice Winslow for someone they weren't playing. However, they uh, ship away Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, um, along with uh, Iguodala. I'm not a huge Iguodala guy. I mean, he's, he's 35, 36. He's taken a half a year off. I don't know how much of an impact they'll actually have on the court aside from his championship experience. That'll help some of the other players. Um, I don't know how much of an impact how him as a basketball player is going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree with you. He is 36, and he did have a half a season off, and he's not with the Warriors anymore. So we'll see what happens. He's a great defender, but he's getting up there in age. But the Heat got Jay Crowder, who is a great wing too, and they were interested in Danilo Gallinari, but that deal fell apart. So, I mean – they're going for it this year. I do believe they are the second best team in the East. We'll talk about that in future episodes. We're not going to get into that all right now, but I think the Bucks are still the clear cut number one there. But I th- look, I think this is a great deal for the Heat. They get Iguodala, they sign him to an extension, and they got Jay Crowder, another great wing, and they didn't have to give up Hero or any of these core guys that they have. So yeah, base- it would have been, 
it would have been interesting to see who they would have to uh, given up in order to get Gallinari, but that didn't even happen. So they still benefited from this, in my opinion. Exactly. So now on to the next deal, which is basically D'Angelo Russell going to the Timberwolves. What is your thought on that? I'm sad. I wanted him in New York. I'm not going to lie. It probably would have taken a lot. I mean, I would have traded the two Maverick picks we have. I would have sent those away. I would have traded, you know, Knox, Frank, Bobby Portis. Like, I, I would have sent a bunch of combinations. No RJ or Mitch. I, I, the, I think the problem was that the Warriors wanted Mitch. Mitchell Robinson, the Knicks said no. That'd be my guess. Um, and in the end, uh, D'Lo going to the Wolves, and then Wiggins going to the Warriors. I think this is a great move for Wiggins. I think he needed to get out of Minnesota, and now he's in one of the best winning cultures, aside from this year, uh, that we've seen recently in the NBA, the Warriors. Um, it'd be interesting to see what he can do with the fully healthy Warriors roster. And then D'Lo and Cat, they're, they're buddies. So, um, so what's your opinion on this? My opinion on it is... I think D'Angelo Russell is probably happy to be going to Minnesota to play with his good buddy, Cat. And I think this is a great deal for the Timberwolves. They honestly didn't give up too much. I pretty much agree with everything you said. But I don't think this is a great deal for the Warriors. I just don't know what Wiggins is going to be for them. I know they have picks. And my opinion is they're going to try to flip Wiggins and these picks in the summer for a stud. If, if they do do that, I think that would be, um, that would be beneficial for them. However, I do think if they keep Wiggins and they have a top three pick this year and they add that to their roster too, it could be really scary. If they, I mean, if they get Wiseman out of Memphis, who just left Memphis, but if they get him, now they have a superior big man. Like it's, There's a lot of flexibility with what they can do. They could definitely ship Wiggins and that pick for something as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. That's true. So basically, I would say the only other really big trade that went down today besides the three we just covered was and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is Andre, this must be the, is the most shocking one too, Andre Drummond going to Cleveland, and Cleveland basically giving up just a second round pick and some fillers to make the cap space work. Um, I don't even know what my thoughts are on this, because I wasn't prepared for this trade. I don't know what Cleveland's doing, because they have Tristan Thompson, who they were trying to deal, they have Kevin Love, who they were trying to deal, they're obviously in a rebuild and trying to re acquire assets, and Andre Drummond's a free agent this summer, so maybe they just want to see what he is and have the rights to maybe sign him to an extension this year. I, I just, I don't know. I really don't have any thoughts on this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It was a really confusing and surprising move. There was nothing leading up to it that was hinting at uh, the Cavs getting Drummond. It was kind of just out of the blue at like 340, or 240, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what the Cavs are doing. Like, I mean, they have Drummond Love, Tristan Thompson. I mean, we thought they were going to ship off Tristan Thompson somewhere else. Uh, that didn't happen. I heard they're not going to buy him out. So I guess they're just going to get every rebound ever because they have Kevin Love, Drummond, Thompson. Like, I don't know what they're, I don't know what their plan is here. And the Pistons didn't get anything in return either. It's just a really confusing trade. Yeah, definitely. So besides that, I mean... There was, it wasn't an exciting deadline. I was expecting a lot more. Maybe that's because I'm a Lakers fan and I wanted more to happen with the Lakers. But I'm seeing some reports right now that the Lakers are favorites to land Darren Collison when he comes out of retirement after the All-Star break because the Clippers acquired Isaiah Thomas from the Wizards in that Marcus Morris deal. But really, besides that, there's nothing else. I was looking forward to maybe going over some more deals with you on this podcast. But there's nothing really else that has went on. And I think going down the line over the next month, we will definitely be focusing on the NBA over the NFL. So we'll be talking about the races in the playoffs, who these last couple of teams in and out are going to be, what the Knicks' future holds. But let's 
The final thing we're going to talk about on this podcast is who the Knicks hired to be their president of basketball operations. Let me get your thoughts and you introduce him. Yeah, so uh, two days ago we fired Steve Mills, the, the president of basketball operations for the Knicks. Um, and then this morning we brought in Leon Rose, who is uh, an agent. He's uh, like the second largest agent. He's he's has a bunch of players under with him, including Cat, uh, including Devin Booker, Carmelo Anthony. Um, I think the Cat uh, signing was – or not signing. Him being uh, managing Cat was interesting to me because I was wondering – what kind of route the Knicks were going to take. If they trade for D'Lo, maybe that lures Cat in. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, they're also bringing in Wesley Williams, who's supposed to be this great basketball personnel and, know, and is a good guy around the league and knows everything. And We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Leon Rose, I actually don't – I don't mind this move at all. I think it's – they're going, you know, after what <clears> – <throat> excuse me, the Warriors did with Bob Myers and the Lakers with Rob Palenka. They're taking Leon Rose and Wesley Williams and seeing what they can do. It's it's gonna be it's not gonna be a great impact right off the bat in my opinion, just because Leon Rose has zero experience being a president of basketball operations. It's gonna take some you know connections to really get that thing going. But uh, I I don't hate the move. I mean I didn't to be honest I didn't know who he was before they uh, hired him. I don't think anyone really did besides you know some bigger guys in the NBA. But I looking at it now I don't hate it. I don't I don't think it's that bad at all. Honestly, anyone that wants to take this Knicks job right now has to be able to take this franchise up because they're they're at rock bottom. So whoever you hired honestly had to be good. Like, I think anyone that wants to take it, they want to succeed with the Knicks now because they're just so bad. And you're going to be honored in this city if you take the Knicks to the next level, which they haven't been in in decades. And I think you would totally agree with that. Oh, yeah, it's definitely the ultimate challenge. Um, the there was also rumored that Scott Perry, the GM, is probably going to be uh, let go as well. He won't be with the team moving forward, so it's interesting to see what they would do with that. Um, it's, it's the problem is still, and I hope this changes, it's just run by James Dolan. So, like, that's where it starts. It's at the very top, and it's hard to build a culture trickling down the system when the very top is cancerous, you know? So we'll see. I mean, if he does make, if he does take on this challenge and becomes a success, he'll be looked at. He'll have the highest praise. You know, that's the upside of this job. Downside is really risky and it's really complicated and hard to pick up this team with a huge spotlight on you, like New York. Definitely, and we'll be talking about basketball moving forward, especially the Knicks, the Lakers, all the playoff teams, and the Brooklyn Nets too. But besides that, that's pretty much going to do it for us today. We're going to do our mailbag questions next week because we don't have a lot of them yet. We like to do them when we have six or seven questions. We have about two or three right now. So please keep sending those our way in our Twitter. So look, thank you so much, guys, for listening. It was a little crazy episode today just because we're filming this right on the deadline. And there's some things coming through on our phones while we're recording. And obviously, we're in two different locations. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Steve, see you later, buddy. Yep, thank you guys.